Welcome to Lost in Translation. I am your host, Matt Raman. This is the greatest podcast ever. And guess what? Pew, 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 <laughs> pew, pew. Lasers are going left and right because this is going to be a very special episode. My guest today is the one and only, the co-star of my life. Introduce Zach. yourself. Yeah, Zach. And guess what? You're brother to who? I'm brother to Brother Nicholas. Brother Nicholas. So yeah, these two are the moguls that are... What's a mogul? Do you know what a mogul is? Uh, in skiing, when you go over that little bump, that's a mogul. Oh. There's like bumps there on purpose. So what's a tech mogul? I think that's something else. Okay. So, well, I mean it in that way where you're a genius. Right. Yeah, because you, do you think you're a genius? No. Okay. No, not at all. This is going in a weird direction. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so you're someone I've wanted to interview for a while, actually, but you've been rejecting me because you didn't think this was real. Yeah, and then I found out that it was real, so now I'm here. Yes, thank you. Now, tell me, introduce yourself, give me the origin story, the Spider-Man story of the man named Zach. Of course. So, my name is Zach. I am a filmmaker from New Jersey. I've been, uh, I'm going to school right now. I'm going to college at Quinnipiac University. Um, in my junior year, just trying to get through it all, um, so I've been uh, making films ever since I was 12, been working on that filmmaking grind, just getting out content for people to enjoy. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, do you want me to talk about how like it all started? Okay, so yeah, I have a few questions. Sure. One of them being, what introduced, like what made you want to make videos? Um. Okay, I have a fun, a pretty funny story about this. Um, so it started out, my dad would always have his camera out um, during all the family events with all my siblings and stuff like that. And he would just like constantly be recording. So I'd always try to like take his camera and start recording of other people myself. And I remember me and Nick started this show with his camera called The Nick and Zach Show. Okay. Only the true fans will remember the Nick and Zach show. <laughs> it's it was like I don't even know. I think I was like ten years old and maybe nine when I when it started. But we would just do like camera magic tricks and like stuff like that and like editing magic tricks. And that's how it really all began. Well, I think with, I like, saw those, those videos. videos. I like I think your parents like showed had like a I don't even know how they would have it. You no, know, they had a, a like a collaboration, uh, not, a, not a collaboration, but like a, like a whole reel of what you guys used to do when you were kids. <laughs> and we were, I, I remember being very like, I was like, holy shit. I didn't even know that parents take the like, interest in their children. <laughs> Cause you know, not white. <laughs> right, right. No, but, um, but yeah, you guys at a young age had a thing for video and stuff. And, um, I'm guessing your brother, who got into it first? Was it you or Nick? Um, I usually used to copy Nick on everything that he used to do just cause I, I looked up to him as a younger brother. Like that's what younger brothers do I'm aware. They look, unless they, the older brother beats the younger one. Yeah. But, I'm, I'm, I got beat, but I still looked up to him. You still look up. Yeah. So it's like instinctual. You just kind of imitate the people that you look up to. So I think he started doing it and we would just like always do this stuff in our room and have fun with it. Mm -hmm. But then we just started like trying to have fun with the camera instead. And that and turned then, into a slow hobby over time. Um, when did you realize that you're like, this is what I want to do for a long period of time? Um, I'm not sure if there's an exact moment, but I've worked on like a lot of short films on my own. And I think, 
one of the first ones I did was in my uh, English class for um, sixth grade English. Mm-hmm. I made a video and I was like, wow, that was actually a lot of fun to shoot and edit. So I transitioned into doing it like I had a sleepover over with one of my friends and we would literally just like wake up in the morning and then shoot my first short film called The Cracker Battle. <laughs> and it was like we both ate one cracker and then there was one left and we fought over that cracker and that was the entire concept and it was an all out war. And I think that's when I first started getting like the spark of it okay. and started thinking differently about it. And there's also, I remember like watching movies on the TV and being like, how, how did they do that? Like with the editing and stuff. Yeah. And even like the simple things that are so obvious now, like how did they get the music from one shot to like continue into the next shot? So I would like take a boom box and then play it out with a song. And then you would stop it for I'd the next stop scene it right when I stopped the camera and then play it again right then. And I was like, wow, this is really cool to try to figure out. And then I realized how easy it easy, was. Later. Yeah. No, like editing either at first it's like, it, especially when you're a kid and everything seems to be so complex, mm-hmm. then you realize as you get older that everything has been like made streamlined and it's like easy to do. But I remember I was I actually did a fucking video for my freshman year uh, yeah. history class, and yeah. I remember it was horrible because I didn't, I didn't know anything about lighting or microphone retention. Like, so I was using my iMac. Everybody had an iPhone, mm-hmm. so our teachers just expected to use our phone yeah. things. And I was like, I, in my head, I was like, oh, my fucking laptop, my my computer has was worth like two grand. It's way it must <laughs> yeah, have a way the better camera. Yeah, and it turns out it didn't. Not at all. And the microphone was even worse. Yeah. And then I remember I cried that day because she gave us a C. Oh, my God. Couldn't hear any of the audio, and it was all dark. It's an awful feeling. Yeah. and Showing your work like that and then not having people respond to it. Yeah. It's one of my biggest fears. Yeah, no, it was the worst. Dude, I've had a lot. It's an awful feeling. People are afraid of failure. And I tell, tell them, I'm like, hey, man, I've been failing since I was fucking two. Like, still are. Yeah, still are. Still <laughs> am failing. But now I'm confident because I'm like, dude, the, even if I fuck up, like, I'm going to be fine. Like, yeah. people will always give you second chances. But going forward with that, it's like, so you started learning how to edit it. What was mm-hmm. like the most mind blowing thing about, like, like for you, I guess, was it like the music thing where you, you realized you could just overlay music? Yeah, that was one of them for sure. Um, and when I was starting out, I just kind of did like imitation where I would just like see these movies on the big screen and be like, okay, how can I recreate shots like that? Mm -hmm. And even from a young age, I'd like visualize pretty much every shot in the movie before I would even shoot it. So like, I'd be like, okay, what's a pretty cool shot. So me and my brother would like get on the roof of our house and like, film a wide shot from there because we haven't seen that perspective Hmm. before in like short films and like it was just basically problem solving and how to imitate the bigger hollywood pictures that we were watching yeah i i actually have been recently been doing that because i'm trying to create a website for um a law a lawyer yeah and um obviously the first thing i do is i look at other lawyers websites and Mm -hmm. i'm like I'm like, holy shit, it's, by the way, way easier. Like, these people do not put any yeah. effort into marketing and any t- type of, like, web design. And I was like, 
I can actually do like when you learn that you can start doing things like you become really passionate about it. You're like, holy fuck, this shit seems impossible. Like making a website. Yeah. Like even right now, um, it seems like like right now I have like the design part down. I don't know anything about the coding, but slowly you learn like the coding. It's not going to be as difficult as you think it is. It's not going to be like the Matrix where it's just a bunch of fucking, you know, numbers and letters that you don't understand. There's a basic. Yeah, there's a system to it. Yeah. So that was the mind blowing thing for you, like wide shots and like over. Yeah, I think um, it was more like problem solving. I mm-hmm. think that was like the biggest thing. Like, how can I get the the shots for my head in like onto a screen? And we, me and Nick did this one shot where we wanted to make an action movie, but it was kind of like uh, a trailer. And I had a song already in mind, and I like basically pictured out what like every single shot would be like every Mm. single moment of it and we had this one shot imitating basically like any action movie where they like jump out of a window or off a roof or something (laughs) so we literally like set up a mattress and did this when our parents weren't home so they didn't know about it and we jumped off of the roof like oh no with him and (laughs) with the camera but we got like a really awesome looking shot for it. And afterwards we told our parents and my, obviously my mom was really upset about it, but my dad was like anything for the shot. Oh my and, God. And that's just like is how that, it all started. Is that like a thing now? Anything for the shot? Like, well, yeah, I think a lot of people think like that right now, like especially um, anyone who's like into cinematography. Um, even bl- directors nowadays are like, really into that yeah it blows my mind how because like actual movie quality cameras are Mm -hmm. huge yeah and they they'll have like a a, like a a scene inside of like a small like in like a restroom and i'm like how the fuck did they fit that camera Mm -hmm. and like it's so awkward and how did and like wait do you know can you talk to talk about like the expense the like like how much money it costs for everything yeah like for example how many cameras i know that the the cameras themselves are really expensive usually people rent right i think i talked about this yeah it depends um like each production it it really depends on your budget and how how much money you have and are willing to spend which is how how you'll kind of go about it like just starting out you'll obviously only have like your iphone or something like that and you'll shoot it with that and then mm. hopefully one day you'll like upgrade to like a, a, Canon. a DSLR or something like that, like a really small, low budget camera. What does DSLR stand for? Um, it's like digital single reflective lens or something like that. Okay, I'm not exactly. Now, what's so special about those lenses? Well, they're just like. Um, they have, uh, different lenses that you can pop on and off and they're like also photography cameras as well. So they're like basically very cheap for, uh, the quality you get. Okay. Yeah. And like, they're still like four grand. No, no, no. The first camera I got was like $800 Okay. and I split that with my brother. So it was like 400 each. Is that the one that, oh no, that that was literally our first camera. Okay. Um, we got that like probably when we were when I was like twelve or thirteen. Oh, is my iPhone now way better than that? Yeah, yeah. That's it crazy. can't shoot like four K or anything like that. And your phone can. Wow. Yeah. And then um 
So you upgraded to what? Um, I just recently upgraded to the Blackmagic Pocket Cinema 4K camera. Mm-hmm. It's a mouthful to say, but uh, it's like essentially the next step up. Um, the camera itself is $1,300, which is super cheap, but um, it takes a lot to like get it going. Like you need lenses with like that's just the body of the camera you so fourteen hundred dollars and then lenses cost how much uh, do lenses run usually um depends obviously on quality because they can go up to like a hundred thousand dollars for one lens like oh my god at the high end but for us um we got like two to three hundred rokinon lenses um so we have four of them and they're mm-hmm. prime so they can't like zoom in or anything and um what does prime to mean it's like static yeah like there's prime lenses and zoom lenses so like zoom obviously you can zoom in but it's like optically like when you zoom in on your iphone it's like it's digital it's not like yeah you're not like zooming in yeah with your lens yeah like Like, the pixels telescope yeah yeah yeah. so okay so how it works is I guess like with a the pixels are already there you're basically making those pixels larger yeah and then for your with, iPhone. And it, like the zooming that you're talking about is like you're actually making the image. Yeah. Like like your glass that you're, it's pretty much like, like a telescope. Yeah. 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 A telescope where you like zoom in, in and out basically. But the primes are usually sharper for what you get, like the price range. Um, but I might switch to zooms in the future. Who is, knows? Is it like a much more expensive for zoom lenses? Um, yeah, they can be because they're usually not as sharp because there's more glass that, that has to, the picture has to go through, Mm -hmm. but, um, yeah. And also, uh, there's a whole nother thing about like depth of field and how blurry your background is. I I won't go into like all the technicalities of that, but it's like, I mean, you could, it's, it's harder to get that nice blurry background that people call cinematic and like with the prime lenses than it is with like zooms and stuff like that okay oh like when uh like the characters focused and everyone in the background like the people eating in the background usually are a little are blurry yeah exactly and it like draws the eye to the right the iphone i think they have like a new software where it mimics it that's great that it's making it easier for people to um like make shit yeah it's super because it's like i don't think it's um i think it's uh artificial that like same with the zoom so they just like look at what's in the foreground and then like artificially like cut you out of that background and then blur the background out and sometimes it fucks up too it's like it'll like catch your head yeah something like that um but yeah it's super interesting so how much all right let's go um beginner budgets beginner so let's say the iphone you're using an iphone yeah how much would recording with an iPhone costs you for like a regular short film or even let's just say skits sketches sketches um they'd cost you well you already have all the stuff Mm -hmm. um you can edit it in free software um there's a software called DaVinci Resolve that's Mm -hmm. um pretty good and it's free um so starting out you don't have to spend anything um it's just what about audio do you just use the iPhone? because i feel like um audio is like a big deal Mm -hmm. 
Like, what's like, would you, would an iPhone's audio be good enough for videos? I, yeah, it depends on the shot because obviously it's like not made for that type of environment, but your phone is like, has a good microphone already built into it. Just like it has a good camera. Really? I didn't even think, I thought why, but like, how come when you call someone so shitty? Well, that's just the cell service. Yeah. That's the cell service rather than the mic. Cause if you record on like a video or like a voice memo or something like that, it actually sounds pretty, pretty usable. Okay. So there's these, um, these mics, right. That Mm -hmm. like, what are those little mics that they have on, uh, they're called lavalier mics. Wait, Lava, is that a Lava brand? Lear. Do you know what I'm talking about though? It's like, yeah. and then you have like a little box on yeah. your ass. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's, <clears throat> they usually call them lav mics. Mm-hmm. Um, how much do those cost? I'm just curious. Uh, I think it depends because the mic and the transmitter are usually different. So you can buy those separately. Okay. But like, uh, I guess it would just like go up to how, how much quality wise you get, but probably not not too bad like nowhere close to cameras and stuff like that if you're like going into audio for film it's like a lot cheaper than like you can literally have an entire audio studio um for cheaper than like one camera one camera yeah so i'm just i'm sorry i'm asking from personally because it seems like it's so much easier to have those the lot what are they called lavalier lavalier mics yeah and they call them lava lavs lavs okay so these love this love bullshit yeah how much does it cost for like the ones that they use for like mo- not movies but like talk shows and stuff? Talk shows like Conan, they they use it mm-hmm. there. How much would those run? I'm not sure because I've I've never been on a talk show before and I haven't really seen like what mics they use because they like usually hide them so you can't see them unless you're like. On That's set. what blows my mind. They hide them and it yeah. sounds amazing. It sounds perfect because it's always super close to them. Sometimes they even have like the ones that stick out of your ear like around there and like curve around oh, yeah I, I saw that with an interview of like some some guy yeah ari emmanuel this guy who's like a super agent yeah and they'll like talk and then you're like dude that shit is like next to your ear how is it like perfect audio yeah, exactly or they'll have it on your, their chest like yeah. taped to it, their chest it usually is on their chest yeah um like one of the first things that you do or that you should learn if you're getting into audio and film is like how to love up the talent mm-hmm. so it's essentially just like attaching the mic and like taping it to their chest mm-hmm. and then running the wire down their shirt and hiding into the, the back like basically learning how to hide a wire yeah and what does that box do is that like a wireless it, box or yeah, it transmits the signal um the talent usually wears the transmitter and then the audio person receives the uh receiver mm-hmm. of that and that plugs into their audio um mixer, mixer. And then they will balance out all of the the audio from there. So they'll have, let's say there's like two talent, two two actors that are on there. They would have two lobs, one on each, and then one shotgun that the, either the mixer or the um, uh, audio two would be running. Okay. So like the boom operator, the person holding the, the microphone over their heads. And then isn't there, so the audio people generally listen in on the conversation, right? While it's happening. Yeah, they have to. Wouldn't there be a, um, a delay, like the audio delay from them, from it having to transmit to something that absorbs the audio and then into the mixer? Um, 
that is a good question. I'm not entirely sure. So like sound okay, isn't okay. my forte, so I'm not entirely yeah, no, sure. No but problem. I'm assuming because it's like um just because it's wireless doesn't mean there's like a huge delay. And also it's going into the same box at the same time. Like it's receiving that and then going into the box. Mm. So I'm sure they hear it on like a slight delay. Yeah, because my issue with I got like I had like wireless headphones that yeah. I wanted to give to my my guests who like do the podcast, mm-hmm. and then they were hearing shit so delayed, like yeah. it was a, a like they would he, they would hear me talk, yeah, and then they then they'd finally hear me talk, and then they when they would speak in the middle of them talking, they'd hear their voice, yeah, and like what the fuck yeah, is yeah. going on? And then you just get confused. Yeah. That's why I, I went to Wired once because I'm like, dude, I need to hear. If I'm going to hear my voice, yeah. it needs to be right in my ear at the same time. Okay, yeah. so we talked about like lower production values. Mm-hmm. What about the shit that you're doing, which is like mid-tier? Is it mid-tier? The stuff that I'm like directing yeah. or like being on set of? Both. What do you, uh, What is? Uh, just rate yourself. Rank your... So like as a director, mm-hmm. I'm just breaking out of like it being a hobby mm-hmm. like i'm spending money on the short films and i think it usually comes down to money and your production where you can tell like how advanced you are not to say that you're a better or worse filmmaker with how much money but like you can kind of judge your production based on that so i'm like barely just getting out of it being a hobby but the films that i do work on are usually like um extremely low budget but they still have a budget so like which is important to distinguish yeah so like the people working on the projects uh are getting paid um for me they wouldn't be getting paid or like only certain people will be getting paid because you just don't have enough money to pay everyone every single day Mm -hmm. and generally who's getting paid um for like my productions, I think first it would be like the actors because they are separate from the production and they like, if you want, like that's where you want to put the quality first is your actors because there's usually a lot of trained ones that you need to get mm-hmm. and they're usually more professional and stuff like that. Like you never know what you're going to get when you just go off and invite someone for free that you don't even know. But crew wise, um, it kind of depends on where you want to put the quality. I heard that like with your productions, it's kind of you guys just pay for food. Yeah. And like a little bit of money. Yeah. It depends on uh, what the short is. There's a lot of uh, like you can spend it on wardrobe or ha- a hair and makeup person. That's what I would usually spend it on. And also props. But on every single production, like no matter how like small it is i would always have like food on set um that's free because if you're helping out on a project like the least i could do is give you feed you for free and that's like a pretty standard practice anywhere what's your go-to food that's like cheap and um pasta is always easiest Mm -hmm. um there's like an unspoken rule in the film industry where if you're low budget you like never get pizza because it's like very cheap and it's kind of insulting to people like when you're working on this film and you get like shitty food wow i didn't know that so pizza's a no-no pizza 
yeah, you want to stay away from pizza because it makes you look like you don't give a shit. Okay. And you don't give a shit, even though like that's not your intentions at all. Um, yeah, people like if you're going to get pizza, you have to make sure everyone is okay with it first. And you have to go like over the top on like making sure everyone is like super comfortable all the time on set. Wow. So they can come back and you want to make sure they have like a good time. So what's your spread usually? Pasta? Um, Yeah, there's, there's a lot of people in film that are like vegetarian or vegan. So (laughs) always salad. Okay. Always Always salad. salad. Like you, you can never go wrong with salad. Um, and then usually pasta, like lasagna or like penne vodka or something like that. And also um, like chicken parm, like just the dishes that you would get okay. of like that kind of stuff. That's usually like go to. And also sandwiches, like you can get a sandwich platter and that. Oh, yeah, those usually. are. Yeah, Costco's got that shit. Yeah. Do you, do you usually go to Costco for the sandwich platters? Uh, I think I did. For the last short film that I did, pot maybe not Costco, but it was like the uh, like a supermarket. Okay. They usually have like platters like that, but also like delis you can go to. But you need to make sure that like all of this is figured out beforehand, way before like yeah, the shoot. Nick was telling me how like uh, if the like everything's usually planned out by like it's planned like every minute's planned. I think right. Um. Yeah. So, like, there's someone on set that's in charge of that. It's usually the assistant director who's, like, making sure all the crew is, like, fed and happy and and working and Mm -hmm. productive. And they come up with a schedule along with, like, the other key positions. And they plan it out, like, by the minute, essentially. So, like, we're going to spend five to ten minutes on this shot and then... Once it's like one thirty, we're going to wrap for lunch and then um, we're going to be back in at two o'clock. Like it's very specific because it takes a long time to get content out and like. So only 10 minutes for one shot. And how long that, are the shots? Um, Well, it depends on a lot, a lot of things. Like for my film, I did 10 minutes per shot and it was an eight page script and essentially we had so many shots and so many takes and it was very ambitious to do that. And we only had one day to shoot and we were able to finish it in that amount of time. And we planned for like 12 to 13 hours and we finished it in that amount of time. Wow. It took like, it it was like hyper focused. Like I don't even remember most of the day because I was like so focused on what I was doing. But for my future projects, I want to slow down because I think the quality suffered a little bit because of that. Like because I, you guys I wasn't were... able to light at all. I just kind of like set everything up, move the camera, make sure the actors are in like uh, wardrobe and makeup and stuff like that. Jesus Christ. It's so stressful. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. so stressful. <laughs> Nick, Nick was saying, he's like, dude, I have to like be the director. I have to like take over this production. Yeah. And he was like, I, it's going to fucking suck dick. Yeah. And, um, it was like his whole weekend and he's like, yeah, this is what I'm going to be doing. Directors are like, once you get higher up, they're usually more chill because they don't, it depends on who it is, but like, they don't usually have to worry about that stuff. That's what like producers do. And yet they have specific jobs for 
stuff like is, that. Is light is lighting uh, always artificial now, like in movies and stuff? No, or? not always. Um, I think recently there's been a lot of films that have been like going back to using natural lighting only. Um, like The Revenant used only natural lighting. Yeah. And that movie's beautiful. And it, it was also shot like mostly outside, but... Um, who who uh, did that again? I forgot. Uh, I think Lebetsky, Emmanuel Lebetsky. Oh, the the person who was doing the that, shots. That was who was the, the director? The director was. Um, By the way, explain what DP is for the. Yeah, DP's director of photography. So mm-hmm. they're like in charge of all the visuals that are uh, that have to do with camera work and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And uh, who was the director of the the film? Um, I, was it? It was the same guy that did Birdman. I know. I that's what's funny is yeah. I, I love Birdman, but I'm I, blanking on his name. I know it, but I just forget. Something Salvador, or oh Do you know, am I right? Am I right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's like, I think it's a, a foreign name. I forget <laughs> what it's called. What his name was though. Let me look it up. Salvador Salvador Dali is a fucking painter. It's fucking. Yeah. Let me see. No, but um. You know, while you're looking it up on yeah. Google. Now I got it. Okay. it it's uh, Alejandro Gonzalez Inyaritu. Inyaritu. Okay. Inyaritu. Yeah, he has a crazy name. I remember Nick was like, I really enjoyed Birdman because of like the, the how it was shot. Was it the same DP? Uh, Yeah, I think so. Okay. Well, Lubetsky got- is one of the best. Okay. And then Nick was like, then he did it for like the second film. And then I was like, all right, now you're just like milking it. Yep. Um. Yeah. But yeah, so Revenant was a beautiful movie. I watch. I love Le- Le- whatever Leonardo DiCaprio's in. I watch. Yeah. Same thing with Joaquin Phoenix. Did you watch yeah, The Joker? He's great. Yeah, I saw The Joker. I fucking. I want to suck his dick, dude. <laughs> I <laughs> swear. Beautiful movie. Yeah, it's great. Uh, it made me feel so uncomfortable at the end. Yeah. Dude, the before the movie started. Oh my god! I was literally like looking around. <laughs> I was like, dude, someone here is gonna kill me. Someone. Yeah, I know. Um, did you see Parasite? That new movie. No. That just came out. It's Korean. And it's the same guy that did Snowpiercer, if you've seen that. I like that movie. The that one with um, awesome. uh, Captain America. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Chris Evans. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He just came out with a new movie and it was like, it got a pretty wide release despite it being um, mm-hmm. a foreign film with like subtitles and everything. But that was like mm-hmm. so a let, great movie. Let's go back to um, the movie sets and the cost. So yeah. now I know that you um, are a assistant producer, right? For not assistant producer. What am I saying? You're a PA. PA for for the bigger projects. Yeah. Now, how do those play out? Um, even the projects that I'm working on now are like extremely low budget. Even though you can't even like imagine like mm-hmm. that amount of money. Like, I think. $250,000. And this is low budget. That's ultra low budget. Wow. Yeah. Low budget would be like one to $5 million. So I work on like ultra low budget right now, but I'm trying to get into to lo- the, regular low budget. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to work on like union sets where it's like everything's uh, like basically Hollywood blockbusters. I don't want to get there. Cause then you do like less and less and you're, you're less involved and you're more yeah. so just like you're basically bodyguards right at that point yeah yeah you do like lockdowns and stuff like that so 250 grand and this that, is how what does it look like what is the environment like um so everyone on set is hopefully getting paid um it depends if it's like what kind of project it is if it's a feature then that's 
um, pretty low budget, but um, everyone's usually getting paid. Their rates aren't the best. Like, honestly, features are very tough because um, they're like five to six days a week for like 10 to 12 hours a day. So it's like a lot of a lot of work and it drains you and mm -hmm. you're usually away from your house like they're keeping you up in a hotel or something like that but for the stuff of, like kind of work i'm doing i'm working as local so i like drive to set so that might add like an hour uh on top of like a 13 hour day or something yeah. like that yeah nick told me he's like the, the the days are really fucking long like you think it's yeah. it's bad at work like, these people are working 13 hour days yep every day and they're not even getting paid no they get paid less uh and they do more work like physically demanding work mm -hmm. um which is another interesting thing because the job is like very mental but also very physical like you're up and around all day but i can't imagine like i'd rather much rather be working hard on like a movie than i would be like sitting in an office building mm -hmm. doing nothing like that's one thing that scares me, like having to work in an office, like for the rest of my life. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like you don't move from there. Yeah, you're just yeah. Well, well, we don't need to talk about that. Yeah. So what is the? You said the pacing was really. Um. Yeah. It's, long it's and high. Yeah, high energy. Um. People on set, they do their. They all have their own individual jobs, and they stick to their own jobs. They're usually not like helping each other out like unless people like, actually need it mm -hmm. so like at this level the pas can usually like hop around and help out what they're interested in um that wouldn't happen on hollywood sets so that's why i don't want to get there but um yeah the energy is like everyone has their own responsibility and everyone works on their own thing and not everyone is working at the same time. Like there's long breaks depending on your job. Mm -hmm. Like for instance, um, the gaffer is someone who lights the scene mm -hmm. and the grip is someone who helps them light the scene by like placing stands and like heavy equipment. We could take this time to like describe all the roles. Yeah. So there's a lot. So let's start with the most obvious ones, the actors. What are they? Actors. They're just they are the ones in the movie they're mm -hmm. the ones whose faces is on all of the projects and on thumbnails and posters and everything mm -hmm. and honestly they get treated the best but it's the hardest job i would say because you have to be like emotional well Constant. not always on, on on demand you have to you have to like be able to know yourself more than any anyone else and they're also like like the coolest people that you can meet because of that. Like they're so honest and like open mm -hmm. because acting has just like opened them up to like not caring about what other people think as much and like just being honest with people around them. All right, cool. So that's, that's actors. There's um directors who try to get different things out of the actors. They would try to like, it's basically their entire project. Um, like when you go to a movie, it'll say directed by this person yeah. and it's like their project that they're taking on. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of it is like getting what you want out of the actors and um, telling other people like what your vision is. 
Um, like explaining it the right way. Yeah. Okay. Communication is like really big. Okay. And knowing people and how they work. Okay. Now, um, what else is there? There's, um, I'll go into production. There's producers who mm-hmm. are the biggest mystery for me because <laughs> it's like, I'm curious how to get into producing. Like, it seems like you just have to take a jump and like get into it. But their executive producers are the ones that have the money and they invest in movies and they like expect or not expect a return in profits. Are there other pro- executive producers who just like put money out there just for the hell of it? Yeah, some literally some companies um, are going to spend money in like taxes anyway at the end of the year. So they're like, why not just make a movie and write it off as like an expense? Oh, so wow. they just like throw throw away money to people that are like that's great waiting for it yeah that is great but not many people are are like that most of us are like struggling to get what we're trying to grab onto something yeah to anything lots of money to make anything and then um okay and then what's after that um producers are the ones that are actually like uh planning the entire thing there's a whole bunch of different kinds of producers um they basically plan out everything and handle the budget and get everyone like the crew together and everything and they're the ones that make the project happen they're it like if the project fails it's on the producers it's on the producers like bank account because they also like take away the most amount of money Mm because they take like a percentage rather than like getting paid okay so it's like kind of like an entrepreneur like i'm putting my trust into these like directors and i'm expecting it to turn out well and i'm gonna like help you produce your vision jesus it's heavy stuff and you want that job i want to be the director okay yeah i've produced like a few of my other friends projects like joe's film i've produced Mm -hmm. um Shout out to Joe's film because that just came out. Shout out to Joe, we love you. Shout out to Joe. Wait, where can we, where can you see it on? You can see it on uh, Malisi Media on YouTube. It's called Remember John Turner. Okay. Go watch it. It's fantastic. I'm actually gonna watch it. I was producer and assistant director. We'll talk about assistant director okay. while we're at it. Um, so assistant director is the one that works on the timesheets and makes sure everyone's on on uh. Doing their job. Yeah, at, at the right time at the... Okay. Yeah, they're like the ones that you'll see are yelling at the most people. or They're very stern, very like, get it done. Like, is there anything I can do to help you guys? Like, let me know. Um, I like but, that. But they're also like uh, your friend on set. So like, they're the ones that you go to if you ever have any problems. Like, if the director's doing too many takes, they're the ones that's supposed to protect the crew. Mm-hmm. Buying by like telling the director like hey chill out bro we don't want to go over like the this time limit and like have to pay this amount of money mm-hmm. so like being good at that is like its own personality you have to be like your own kind of per like it's a very specific type of person mm-hmm. that is an assistant director uh very very stern and, okay yeah and it gets shit done. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, what else? There's the... Um, 
I'll try to go through them pretty quickly. There's like, yep. there's art team. They do like the sets and stuff like that. And, uh, sometimes they build the sets. Um, they essentially like dress the set with like all of these props and wardrobes, not wardrobe. They, uh, with like sets and fine locations and they're like the prop masters. They're the ones that are like making the location look like it's supposed to look. And then those people, I'm guessing, work on the the movie beforehand. They're not really... Yeah, they, they do a lot of prep, mm-hmm. um, which is surprisingly, some of them don't even get paid for the prep work. They only get paid for like on-set days. No. Which is crazy to me because they, they're like, out of all the people on set, they're the ones that I, f- I see working the hardest all the time. Mm-hmm. They're like super passionate people though. So I can't imagine. It's like, dude, you it, like, it's the hardest creativity or like art in general is like the hardest yeah. thing. Cause you're paying attention to detail. Yeah. And like, I can only imagine like putting that on a set. Mm-hmm. Are there people for that though? The, the graphers, right? What's the graphers and the, 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 thing? the gaffers, the gaffers. Yeah. I'll talk about DP first before that okay. uh, DP just handles all the visuals and like, mm-hmm. uh, has the creative vision of like the visuals and talks with the director about what they want. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, the directors of photography or cinematographers, um, they are the ones that tell the gaffers and assistant cameras what they want. Mm-hmm. Um, assistant cameras are the ones that like build the camera and they basically help out with anything technical on the camera. So they're the ones that like move it around and stuff like that. Um, DPs sometimes operate, not always though. Mm-hmm. Um, they sometimes have camera operators. Or depends like, on the DP, right? Yeah, depends. And um, assistant cameras, they're the ones that are um, doing the slate af- before every take. Mm-hmm. So they'll like call out like one app will take one and then do the, the, the clap. slap. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they're the camera people, the gaffer and grip. So gaffer is also known as like the electrician mm-hmm. and they're the ones that are focusing on lighting and like how the lighting works and where you're getting power from and stuff like that. And like the type of units you're using. Um, for me, it was like the hardest thing because I didn't really know how to get started. You just had, had to like practice mm-hmm. on set and it was the thing that seemed most challenging to learn so i that's what i'm trying to be when i'm older uh on sets i think like on other people's sets um i've heard this rule where you should be on like three different tiers of like what you want to be so like top tier would be director mm-hmm. second tier would be cinematographer for me and then the third tier would be gaffer or grip and gaffer is just like basically setting up all the lighting and stuff like that and carrying okay. all that stuff. And they make all the decisions mm-hmm. with that. And then there's the grips who help them out. Um, it's usually G and E it's called. That's like their department. It's called uh, grip and electric. Mm-hmm. And, the grips are the ones that are moving around the C stands that you see, like all the stands and sandbags and heavy equipment Mm -hmm. that like, that's those guys. Um, they also do rigging. So like if you need a light to hang somewhere, they do that. And they're jacked usually. Yeah. They're funny enough. It's like, they're pretty much construction workers. Like they have the same like union. 
no no it's just like i don't know the way they act and like their their face and hands they're like oh like it's hard hands oh wow so they're like but they're always like really cool guy like they're definitely the coolest people they're like set. bros they're like yeah. bros okay yeah. cool um but essentially like that's that's a pretty tough job and physically demanding because you're like going back and forth mm -hmm. and it's long days and a lot of heavy stuff but when they're shooting you usually have a break so like you'll set up all the lights and then like the second the director or dp approves it you're like all right i'm just gonna go hang out in the truck now and and then wait till they're done smoke a shit ton of cigarettes yeah the film industry smokes like crazy huh crazy yeah that's why i want to get into it no, just, <laughs> just kidding yep. <laughs> um so you, you uh, did you talk about the audio people Oh yeah, audio people. Um, the weird ones. I heard that they're the weirdest out of all of them. They're they're definitely. I wouldn't say weird. They're definitely the most interesting. Like <laughs> you, you never know what to expect. They're just unpredictable, and they usually have like the funniest or like darkest sense of humor that you can really? think of. Yeah, some of them um, don't want to be. Well, they do audio as like a day job, and then want to be like directors on the side because audio is really. Like, if you're going into the film industry as an audio person, then you'll likely get a job if you're good because mm -hmm. they're in need. Like, there's so many people that are, like, wanting to be directors and producers and DPs. Yeah. People especially. want to get, do the fucking, the big shit, but yeah. nobody wants to do... No one wants to do sound, and sound is, like, extremely important and if you get it right, then you'll have a job like for the rest of your life, pretty much if you're Jeez. in sound. And, um, what is, what does that entail? What does that job entail? Like, Oh yeah. It's, um, sometimes you have an assistant, but on the sets that I've been on, they usually don't. Um, essentially they just like chill in their own corner with their mixer and like make sure everything's working. And then they go and put the lavalier mics on the talent and, during takes they like test it right beforehand to make sure and um while like during the takes they'll also be uh doing the boom like holding it over the the boom yeah, man yeah boom guys um and uh out of so like is there a general like uh you know personality to these guys you said that the the gaffers the giffers the the gaffers, grippers yeah, the grips they're generally the cooler guys because they're doing like heavy. The yeah. 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 They're just interesting people. They get to work on like a lot of different. Who's sets. the shittiest on the set? The shittiest? Oh my God. Like the, the one that you're like, oh, shut the fuck up. Probably the assistant director, I'm guessing. I mean, yeah. Like sometimes, most of the time, assistant directors are awesome, but like they're probably the one of the only people that are going to yell at you. Mm hmm. Um, well, that and the producers, but producers are usually, in my experience, have been like really nice and really yeah. awesome. But um, what about um, I like. Have you ever had a diva actor? No. Oh my god! Like all of the actors have been so nice that I've worked with before. Mm. Like I haven't met like an awful actor or heard like any. Yeah, they probably don't have like the luxury of being a dick. Yeah, but when they're bad, I'm sure that they're really bad. Yeah. Because they, like, they're full of themselves. And they're probably really good if their people are hiring not, them. Not necessarily. No? <laughs> not Jesus. always. 
some people are just like full of themselves and not that good. What about other people? So are there any egotistical, I'm guessing directors usually or ego buffs or, um, not, not in my experience. I've talked to a lot of people on sets and they say like directors are usually like, usually like the quietest actually. They're like always thinking about different stuff and like just focusing on the actors. They're usually kind of like low key. You would think that they're like screaming constantly, these like loud personalities, but that's more of like producers actually mm-hmm. instead, which is pretty interesting. Where would you put me in the movie industry? Oh man, I don't know. I well, what do what do you want to do? Like, what what are your strengths? I don't I don't know. I don't want to talk about. I want to see just based on what you know about me, what you would do. Like your personality you. wise. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to diss you, but I feel like you'd be a PA. Because, <laughs> like, I I forgot to explain. Like, PA yeah. is production assistant, mm-hmm. and they're at like the bottom of the chain, essentially. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um. Not because I, I value you like at the bottom, but they're usually the ones that are like the most happy and willing to help out with everything. And you mm-hmm. can see like the fire in their eyes and they're usually super passionate where everyone else is just like overworked and like drained and you can like, you can feel it. So I'm worthless, you're... but I'm just to make people happy. I wouldn't say you're worthless. You can learn like any job on set. Okay, let's say I. But personality-wise, you're like a PA. You're you're passionate, like PAs are. Okay, and then what if let's say I do evolve into a different step? What would that be? Let's not shit on me completely. Right, right, right. <laughs> no, PAs have great uh, personalities. They're usually like super into everything, and like they're usually the ones that are like happiest to be there. Ironically mm. enough, but um, I don't know. Maybe producer. Cause I, I feel like you have the entrepreneurship spirit where you just want to like go get yep. things done. And I sh- I'm going to ask your brother the same question next yeah. time he's on the podcast. I'm just curious. Maybe assistant director too, because cause I'm a piece of shit. No, no. because you, <laughs> because you like to get things done. Yeah, I do. Like you want to stay on, on track and on schedule and everything. Yeah. I very, get very obsessive. All right. So, We've explained all the, you know, roles and stuff. Now the main roles, yeah. Yeah. Can we talk about the blockbusters? How much do those cost? How what's going on in these situations? Okay. They differ a lot. There's usually the low budget. I'm in the ultra low budget right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is like anywhere between a hundred thousand to like five hundred thousand probably. Mm-hmm. And then low budget is usually around a million to five million. Um, those, that's actually like a good amount of movies are, are made in the low budget, low budget. Um, a lot of the movies that I like, like the independent ones are usually around that range of budget. One to 5 million. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. A lot of them are because they have more control over, there's less money involved. So there's less risk. So they, that they give all the control. Oh yeah. I heard that there's a lot of issues with like, um, I, I think it's just investors making comments or is it, is it investors mm. or is it producers? Um, it could be both mm. comments as in like control, like trying to control yeah. the They're creativity. Like, why don't we add more, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it definitely depends on, on the type of projects mm. that you're working on. 
but like Hollywood movies, I can't imagine them having too much control. Like the directors, I'm sure they're like, they have less say than the producers or executive producers do. Wow. Because it's their money and they, they're like, they have their own philosophies and their own ideas about what a movie should be. And like a lot of executive producers are like, they, they figured it all out. They like know exactly what's going on in the film industry. So they don't take risks either because it's a business for them. It's not like, Oh really? So they do yeah. have it figured out. They have like an, a formula. I mean, not all of them, but like the ones that are big. Mm-hmm. Can you give like, me an example of one? Yeah. Just Marv, the Marvel franchise. In oh, general. so they know exactly. Yeah. They, because audiences are f- they're fans of all these characters and comics are like stories that are literally given to you. They're like you read a comic book and you already know that you have a guaranteed fan base of the comic readers. And then you try to get them on board along with like the general public. Mm -hmm. Like how can we get as much people to watch this movie, like make it as general and as friendly as possible. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's where um, a lot of pandering comes from. In yeah. movies, so it's like, which I understand. It's like there's yeah. some scenes where I'm like, this is like tacky, but yeah. I'm like, you gotta put into consideration children, yeah, um, people who aren't that into movies that they're like, oh, I just want to fucking be entertained, like yeah. visually entertained. Like that's why fight scenes are like a big deal now. I that's think what most people feel like in movies, like they just want to be entertained. Yeah, they don't, they're not looking for more than that, and that's fine. But um for the stuff that I'm into and like, you know, there's more nuance and I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Like that, the regular, the regular movies that are like looking for entertainment are great. But once you like appreciate a movie, it's like music, dude. Yeah. It's like, uh, first of all, I don't understand rap and I never will. <laughs> and, um, but like your brother is like super into rap and I'm like, dude, what the fuck? <laughs> like, have you ever been a gangbanger? Like, <laughs> And he's like, no, dude, it's not about that. Yeah, yeah. And then he's like, no, it's not about that. It's about the way they use their words and the rhyming and yeah. the, the rhythm. And I'm like, oh, fuck. But I never got into it because I'm like, fuck that shit. Yeah. I've always liked beats and stuff. Yeah. But it's like when you enjoy it, it's like it's insane. Or like, for example, like video games, like. Yeah, high production ones. Yeah. I get, you, so you play, um, you know, Rocket League. Rocket we'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah. But like, I guarantee you. Now that you are so, you know, involved in it, yeah. watching people play, you're like, holy fuck, how did he do that? Like, yeah, like mo- most people, when they watch like pro people play in like video games, they're just like, oh, that's, it's cool, bro. Like there's so many different kinds of video games as well. It's mm-hmm. like, you can basically choose what games you're looking to get out of. Like if you're looking for a challenge, you can play like puzzle games or something like yeah. that. Or if you're looking for like strategy, there's so many games that you can like. Yeah, strategize. people love strategy in general, just because they're like, "How the fuck yeah. did you put how these can things I together?" Smart my peers. Yeah, <laughs> essentially. So, uh, but let's go back to like, um, you know, the movie. Yeah, quality. Yeah. Movies. So, what are the budgets for the fucking blockbusters? Um, on average. Jeez. Um. I think it's probably around like. 200 to like 400 million jesus christ i think like i could be wrong about that but there's there's usually like films that are made for that like the marvel films are usually made for like probably 300 million or something really jesus christ but 
Who's getting most of this money? Oh my god. CGI, I feel like. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Not at all. Just actors? Actors, producers, executive producers, um, and the studio get most of it. The directors, obviously. Like the the higher up you go, the more key positions get, get more, money. more money. Okay. Like there's um even on like some of the lower levels, you can get like ten thousand a day just for being a DP. Wow. Which is pretty crazy. Like a day. That's insane. Yeah. What what about like sound engineer, the one that you were talking about? Uh, I'm not sure about the high high end sound engineers, but I'm sure it's probably like a crazy. And how long do these film sets go on for? Um, like how many like days. hours of the day or days? Days, days. Um, I think probably like one to two months, somewhere in that That's range. It maybe three. I think for four hundred million dollars. Uh, yeah, they, they pump out movies. They don't need that much time on set once they have it. Get the fuck out of here. But it depends because sometimes they can shoot like like an average script would be like 90 to 120 pages. So if you just kind of think about like... A scene, like a page is usually one scene, minute. A scene a day. Yeah. Or like a page a day. That's probably pretty standard for Hollywood. Holy shit. Yeah, it's they go super like slow, but they go carefully and everything's perfect. And like, obviously, that's why they're at the highest level because they can spend that much money. Jesus Christ. And had oh, that yeah. people are $400 million within three months. Yeah. Jesus Christ. And then they see that return back <laughs> like immediately. Yeah. Jesus. And who gets like, I'm guessing the producers are the ones producers, who get. Yeah. And the cut, the, the, Executives. executives like there's investors people in that that invest in it and like uh, it's kind of like the stock market where you put all of your money into this one thing mm. and then um it's kind of like you risk it to see what your investments will be and that's why people have control problems where they're like i want my investment to go up as high as possible yeah i think that this isn't going to make as much money so and it's my money that I'm giving to you to allow you to do so this. So how dare you? So like, let let me do this because I haven't figured out more than you do, basically. And Jeez. yeah, they, they're just look. it's a business for them. What was the biggest flop? Biggest flop? Wasn't there, the, there's a Kevin Spacey movie that made like $197 yeah. opening. Remember that? That's yeah. fucking crazy. There's like, Oh my god, there's a lot of flops, especially in independent films. There's like very little return on your. No, I know. Budget. When you were talking about like one, like one to five million. Yeah. Are those usually the budgets for independent films? Or? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, sometimes they're like between fifteen and thirty million is like the normal budget for an independent. Wow. Well, that's less independent, but like still not blockbuster. I think. Uh, like Spielberg and Scorsese can make movies for like as much as they want, mm -hmm. but they, I'm not sure how much their budgets are actually. It's probably limitless for them. They're just like, yeah, we're going to make your money, your money yeah. back. Well, not always because like even like Avengers Endgame will make more money than like the next Spielberg movie will because yeah. more people see it. And also fucking those like movies that there's like some celebrities like The Rock. Yeah. Who are uh, I globally think he's paid the most out of yeah, any actor? Like they're globally f famous. Yeah, and 
they don't even care if like it's like you know they just pump out movies it's crazy yeah and they're they're like we're not we're not making this for american consumers we're making this for china for the people who are like wow big beefy muscly dudes fucking fighting and action and yeah they literally do pretty much for global not like it's not just america that you're worrying about it's literally like the entire world jesus now let's talk about your Rocket League addiction. Oh God. <laughs> okay. You are. First off, let's start with what's your rank? My rank. I'm usually around Diamond Three to Champ One. Like I'm on the edge. Now the way that it works is like the higher you are, the the higher your number. Like yeah. you'd be Diamond Five there's, before you get to Champ One. Two and three, and then the higher you are, the higher your number is. Oh wow. So it's like. So you're Champ One. Right now, champ one, and then that goes up to three, and then, um, so it's champ one, champ two, champ three, and grand champ, and that's the top. What's uh, how what percent is grand champ? Less than one percent. Wow. I think. Probably. How many people do you think that is? Like, it's literally a thousand, right? Two thousand. No, I don't know. I'm not sure. You fucking love that game. I do. I've st- I haven't played it recently because I've been so focused on like school and my own projects because I care more about film than I do about Rocket League. But okay. It's it's nice to stop and relax. Yeah, no, it for sure, especially like getting into something competitively. Yeah. It takes up I remember when I was playing competitive Counter Strike. Yep. I was playing like ten fucking fifty and these games are thirty minutes long. Mm-hmm. So when I say 10 to 15 games, it's like four hours and then I take a break and then I come back to it immediately. Yep. Drinking as much caffeine as possible, <laughs> trying to keep my brain as like I sharp know. as possible. I can't play a game that's like 30 minute games. That's just like. Dude, Rocket League is the worst though because it's five minutes and you're like, yeah, yeah, I can do another one. And then you keep. You, that's I, fine. I'd rather that. I feel like. Then you could stop. Yeah, but you don't. You never do. Dude, I was like asking you. You guys were supposed to come play with us for like Werewolf or something. Yeah. And you ended up playing like 30 minutes. And then you're like, oh, yeah, after this game. <laughs> and then you did like 15 more. That's probably because I just didn't want to play. Yeah, how dare you? I'm sorry. No, but um, the question I want to have for you, we'll make this one quick. Yeah. Because we're at like an hour right now. Yeah, um, it's Rocket League. So what is the difference between like... Let's say diamond, like the high tier versus the low low tier. I think at the beginning, it's like there's definitely two types. It's like mechanical ability and then like mental, like strategy. It's pretty much like a sport. Like Mm -hmm. how strong are you, which is like your mechanical, like how well you can do certain things. And also like your mental, like how smart are you compared to the other person, like your efficiency and all that good stuff. Exactly. And like, like you have different types of like players, like some people stay back more and some people go up more. What do you do? Um, I usually, I usually do both. It depends. I usually play doubles. So it's kind of like you rotate constantly, but yeah. Is it super, I I think doubles is probably way more high, uh, fast paced just cause like the goal, the goals are constantly being guarded and. Yeah, yeah. It's the most fun for me because in standard, in threes, you're like basically always... um, Someone's always defending. Someone's always like kind of relaxing. Yeah. 
at some yeah. point. Yeah, uh, and it's just less fast paced. But um, and so ba- so you said that your barriers were generally just like mental. Yeah, it's just ability and like game sense. Okay. Pretty simple stuff, but like, I can't tell you how to get better. You have to hone it. You just have to be it's better. Like, like you have to get better yourself. Yeah. And you get that by playing. Yeah. No, I remember, and also it's good to get better by um. Like when I first started playing video games, mm-hmm. like let's say League of Legends, I would just play with my friends and they would be way better than me and I would be shitty and I would stay shitty. Yeah. And then I started playing by myself and like I started like when you when it's there's like the competition and then there's like a fucking blowout. Yeah. Whenever blowouts happen, you're like, dude, I feel helpless. Yeah, I don't even want to play anything. this game. Yeah. In competition, you're like, holy fuck, I can't believe I just beat this guy. Yeah. He made a mistake. I know exactly what his mistake was. How do I replicate this? You're slowly learning when yeah. you're having competition that you can actually beat. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, that's that was my experience of, like, getting good at things. And also, like, you have to, teamwork is very important. I'm guessing you probably have a guy that you always go to when yep. you play. Yep. Ravi. <laughs> me and Ravi always play. And it's like we used to start out playing FIFA, mm. like co-op seasons. That was like, that was the original where it was like, we used to be really into FIFA and soccer and stuff like that. And then we switched to car soccer. So like. Dude, it's way better than FIFA. It's way better. It's like insane. It's so much more fast paced. And control. Yeah. You so much more. But, yeah. You're less worried and you don't have to worry about yeah. like the stats on your team. <laughs> Such a bull. I've yeah, always I fucking hated that. <laughs> All those sports games. I'm like, oh, he has the better team. How am I going <laughs> to. Yeah. I like. Know. And then, like, the, uh, the guy might be, like, a 90 overall, but if his speed is, like, fucking 99, yeah, he's better. Pace. Yeah, he's better. That's how the connection started, though. And then mm-hmm. we switched to Rocky League, and it was just, like... It's an even playing ground. Yeah, we just, like, kind of know exactly what we're both going to do at the same exact time. We're, like, on the same wavelength, so it's, like, very easy. Like, I don't have to talk during the game. Do you, so. get, do you get mad at him at any, any point? <laughs> well, yeah, like, we're best friends, so... I like yell at him if he like messes up, <laughs> but not, not like, I don't actually get mad during video games. If you ever hear me yelling or, or anything like that, it's usually just as a joke. Yeah. No, I mean, I would play high on, we'd play Lee. I play yeah. Lee with high on and he would shit on me. He's like, you're such a fucking idiot. Blah, blah, blah. blah. And I'm like, Jesus. That's what I would do, but not like that serious. <laughs> not, not yeah. like I do it lightheartedly. Dude. Yeah. No. I, and then. Um, I don't even want to talk about the other people who fucking yelled at me because <laughs> it's like weird now. I don't yeah. even talk to that. I don't know. Like, yeah, by the way, I remember when we played video games, but yeah. Um, now moving forward, I want to talk about, um, why are you single? Why am I single? For so long. It's been like three years. I don't know. That's a question for all the females. Alan. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, are you um, just like. Do you, are you like actively looking or are you just super well, focused on? Well, yeah, I'd, I'd like to be in, in a relationship. Um, cause it gets lonely. Like, yeah, no, I understand just, when you're just like constantly like in your own world, you get up in your head and it's, it's tough sometimes, but there's a lot of benefits to being single that I I'm enjoying right now. Mm-hmm. So like. By the way, and when he says his benefits, he's talking about not sex, <laughs> mostly free time. And uh, I guess yeah. you don't have to worry about what you're doing. Yeah. I'm, and I like to have time to do stuff that I want to do. Mm-hmm. And 
it's it's tough sometimes because like you want to spend time with this person but you don't want to spend time with them like 24 7 yeah and you always feel responsible for them and to have like have their uh time be as valuable as yours and it you just have to like balance it really well and and it could get it's very difficult it's very difficult sometimes it's like you the other person has to sacrifice or you have to sacrifice Now, I've had days where, like, my girlfriend will go on, like, a family vacation, mm-hmm. and I'll talk shit, and I'm like, yeah, I don't even need you. Like, I'm like, dude, I, this is going to be the easiest weekend of my life. And then, like, s- like Saturday night comes, and I'm like, holy fuck. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm like, babe, come back. It's it's a commitment. Like, you, yeah. need, a, you need a sacrifice. Like, both, both people yeah. need to sacrifice a lot to stay into a relationship. Yeah. And it's it's tough sometimes, but it's usually always worth it. It's yeah, and it's doable. Yeah. If you both are like, let's you know, let's try at this and Yeah, exactly. Not just present each other at the end. Yeah. Um for sure. Yeah, so we should probably move on to uh, uh celebrity crush. Celebrity crush. So you said Amelia Clark, and no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you watch Game of Thrones? Yeah, I used to, and then, if and then it, it just went to shit. Yeah, did you, did you hate the last season? I hated it. I'm so glad that As you a, watched Game of Thrones because Nick doesn't. No, he does. He does now. Like, he, he finished. He like, finished it? Yeah. Oh, fuck. He didn't even talk to He it. caught up, like, with, at the very last episode, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. I for, oh, I forgot. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, it was great, wasn't it, though? Like, the first fucking four seasons? Yeah, the filmmaker. Like, as a filmmaker, someone who's, like, watching all this happen and, like, you really respect like all of this stuff that goes into it. Mm-hmm. And then like the last season comes and it's like seven and eight aren't based off like any like books or anything. Like they have nothing to go off. So and you they're can, just writing it. You can tell like, and it's like, how, how did they, how did George RR R. Martin agree to let these guys like, all right, they're very good at adapting stuff. I'll give them that. But mm-hmm. like, the new material is just awful. To be fair, he thinks that he's going to die soon. So he's like, fuck it. I'm going to get all the money I can. Well, yeah. You know? He, he also held it off. He didn't sell it for like a lot of years because he wanted to. Like, he didn't think that he'd have to finish it. He would probably. think that the show wouldn't finish before he finished the books. Yeah. Which is crazy. But it did. And, and it shows how much time he puts into these, this shit. Yeah. Um... Do you watch any other shows? I'm just curious. Right now I'm watching uh, Mr. Robot. Do you like it? Yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it's great. I think... Um, Arton thinks that he's the main character. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I I'm can kidding. see that. I can see that. Yeah. No, but it's it's a super unique show. Um, I love all the gimmicks that they do on different episodes. Like there's one that... The sitcom episode... Where everyone was like... I was really uncomfortable with that. I was like, what yeah. the fuck is going on? Yeah, because it was weird and like you haven't really seen that. I was so used to like show. the dark, like the like the video, like the visuals were generally yeah. darker and like ominous. And yeah. then it's like, oh, like it's yeah, positive yeah. 70s. It um, made you more uncomfortable though. Yeah. Which I guess they did what they were going for. They did. But like I felt comfort in the uncomfortability where I was just like... Even in a shitty place, these guys are having like a cool ass. Uh, like, like there's cool events happening. Right. I have it's kind of it's constantly a mind fuck. Yeah. Um, the twists in that show are crazy. Is there any other show that you're watching? Um, 
I want to start watching Twin Peaks, but I haven't gotten around to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been watching a lot of movies instead recently, mm-hmm. just because TV shows are like they're hard to keep up with uh, every week. Um, they're they're shorter than movies, but they're also like more of a commitment because you gotta. Oh hell yeah! You gotta remember everything and stay on top of it. But yeah. I love I love TV shows. What's I your, fucking what's your favorite. Um, right now it's Bojack Horseman. Bojack? It's a super, cause I feel like it's what's happening to me as a person. Yeah. But, uh, the, it's basically this guy who's like, who he has this awareness of him, his self-hatred and why he feels this way. And like, he, he like wants to be remembered and like he, he's talented in like some ways, but mm-hmm. He's actually like mediocre, but he's aware, <laughs> which makes him good. Yeah. And then it's basically it's six seasons of him coping with what happened to him in his childhood and like coping with his his feelings. Mm. And he's like 50 something years old, like the character, and he's learning how to finally cope with the shit. Yeah. It's just it's great for me because I constantly have that issue. He's constantly having existential crises. Yeah. And I'm like, I love this guy. Yeah. You can relate to him heavy. Heavy, heavy shit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that show and great things about that show. It's great. The dude, the, I love cartoons. <laughs> I love cartoons because no matter even the if it's something horrible going on, you, at the end of the day, you're watching Bright Lights and you're like, I can't be mad. Yeah. Exactly. Um. Yeah, that's basically. We should probably go back to your celebrity crush. Oh yeah. Um. You mean like who inspires uh, yeah. me and stuff like that? I'll talk because I want to be a director when I'm older. I'll talk about like directors that inspire me. Okay. Um, a lot of the directors that I I love are now dead. Mm. <laughs> Unfortunately, there's so many good ones. Um, I think Stanley Kubrick is one of my favorites. He made like 2001: A Space Odyssey and Full Metal Jacket and The Shining, like. Pretty much all of his movies are like instant classics. Yeah. Um, so like just the way he like handles detail and like that type of thing. It was like excruciating, right? Yeah. Like Yeah, he's perfectionist. Like he would literally listen to like every single word from every single take individually and see which one was the best one, like best syllable sounding, and then like go back and then do the next syllable. How long would his movies take? take to make i'm not sure like the editing process is definitely the most grueling for Mm. him because once you have it yeah i've heard he like rewrites a lot of his stuff like on the shining he wrote rewrote a lot like on the day and like stuff like that jesus but it's a lot it's a lot of like perfectionist and i kind of relate to that because i need to make sure everything is like perfect and if it's not then uh, it it like upsets me. Like, get, no, I can see that. Like, you get depressed. You're like, this is the permanent creation I yeah, make. Permanent mark on yeah. like where you can just see all of your mistakes on the screen. But like, you know, sometimes it's bad. But sometimes it's like when you're sitting in a room watching it with other people, it's like the most nerve wracking thing ever. Oh, dude. Because you you've seen this movie like a thousand times, but like looking over at other people, like just staring at the screen it's like oh my god like what do they think right now yeah and you're like they should fucking hate this like this is (laughs) this could be 
something that they really enjoy or it could be like, well, that was a waste of my time. Yeah. And that would crush you. Yeah. Because <laughs> like I've been work like projects for me take a long time to get started. Mm-hmm. Like um, takes me it took me like about a year to make like most of my short films. So it like I spend a lot of time on just one single thing. And um, it takes so long. And then yeah, when the end result isn't what you want. It'll never be what you want yeah. because you can't get per- it perfectly. Yeah. You just have to compromise with like the best you can get. And sometimes you do get like really good stuff and there's moments of that, but there's always going to be mistakes. Like even on Hollywood movies, like I'm sure they feel the same exact way mm. about some of their stuff. And um, what was his traits for Stanley Kubrick? On Some of his traits? Oh, he's... He was like insanely smart. He was like 160 IQ or something like. He was oh, like wow. considered genius level. Um but I think just what his movies are about is pretty inspiring. Like 2001 is about like humanity as a whole. And it's like how do you even film that? Like like how can you point a camera at something and then have it represent all of humanity? And he was somehow able to do that. And that's like kind of opens up your mind to like what you could do with what you can do. Cause it's film is a lot of things. It's like painting and photography and music and and, pacing rhythm, poetry and like, like script writing. So you can literally, it's like all of the, the best art forms like combined into one. Mm hmm to make like this own unique experience. Cause like there's not um, like a lot of times art is either like without like void of time, except for like film and music for the most part, which is like, and film has music too. Yeah. Which I fucking, I heavily yeah focus on soundtracks. Soundtracks are always like sounds in general is how you get like a person to emote without them realizing it. Lord of the Rings, dude. Yeah. Phenomenal soundtrack in my opinion. Yeah. Like soundtracks are huge. Um, if you have like a really good soundtrack and the movie could your ne- storytelling, especially writing, writing is like huge where like you have to be on point. And I feel like they don't get enough credit cause it's probably the hardest thing to do on Oh, dude, I like to do this thing where, because um, I love stand-up comedy. I'm not yeah. going to get into it probably ever, but I heavily enjoy it because I'm like, how the fuck do these guys, like, even when I retell a comedian's story, people will laugh, like, yeah. in a hard laugh. And I, I wrote down what they say, and just the, like, it's unbelievable. Like, yeah. you read w- these words on paper in this, like, uh, in this order, and then you, it's hilarious. Yeah, I was talking to someone last night who was a, a comedian, and he was basically saying, like, he knows another comedian that took him, like, 15 years to just, like, perfect this one joke. And that joke's probably, like, two to three minutes long. And it's, like, it just takes so much work, like, figuring out exactly, like, experimenting, like, yeah. where to place that. It's, like, yeah, and, like, for, let's say, stand-up comedy, it, yeah. it has a lot to do with um, timing. They say it's just timing and whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's, like, when do you accentuate your vowels like when do you yeah. you know how much silence do you give this is all this is like calculated to the second if you yeah. watch comedians 
Um, and they, they also have to change how they use these things based on how the room is feeling. Yeah. Like, if they're not dying laughing, you have to, you know, mm-hmm. change how you say things. It's crazy. It's a fucking, yeah, it's an art form same. for sure. Same with, like, acting too. Yeah. Like... Uh, you sh- that's what the director is there for to help with that. But um, a lot of it is like on the person. How do they? How do they? Do- like some actors, they have so many different methods where it's like they'll just be inside their own head, like imagining the scenario, or they're they're gonna imagine like something completely different that happened to them in their past or something to pull inspiration from. Yeah. Them. Or they just like focus on their facial and like verbal expressions. And yeah somehow like get the same exact result by f- completely so faking different. it yeah it could be literally completely different for every single person yeah yeah um next one is manipulation tactics manipulation tactics um yeah so as a writer it's it's super like interesting to come up like the one rule in writing is make it interesting don't be boring Mm-hmm. And the way you do that is introduce like conflict or intrigue to a script. And that means having characters with wants. Mm-hmm. Like if you have a character in a movie that doesn't want anything, it's that's just a boring character. Um, like a passive character where they're not actively trying to go for their goals. That's a boring character. So it, it's not entertaining. But for writing, it's like, everything every character wants something and in conflict those characters are contradicting each other Mm -hmm. and there's a bunch of different tactics that you learn like how to get what you want and one of the manipulation tactics is like lining up your wants with their wants Mm -hmm. or vice versa trying to explain to yourself and to them why it's why what they want is the same thing what you want. Mm-hmm. So like, for example, like if there, there's this one video that I always go back to. Um, it's actually on game of Thrones. One of the scenes is with Tyrion mm-hmm. and he's like a master manipulator in the show. And he essentially says he's trapped in a dungeon and there's this big guy who's just a guard that is pretty stupid and keeps him in there and he tries to manipulate him and he's like um what do you what do you want my family's very rich i can get you like what you want if you help me get out of here Mm -hmm. instead of being like you need to get me out of here he's like i'll help you if you help me exactly okay it's like understanding that concept um of like okay, I want to do this. Like, I want to leave this dungeon. Mm-hmm. I just have to find out what he wants, like what motivates yeah. him. Yeah. And then that way I can like try to manipulate what he wants or mm. what, what he will do. And to make it like real and like make it real in the, okay. Yeah. All right. We're yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I use that shit all the time, bro. Yeah. <laughs> like knowing what people want, like that's a, always a great question to ask people. Like, what are your goals or like, what do you want to do? Yeah. And yeah, I usually do that. That's why a lot of, um, I, what I try to do at first is I give advice. I try to give advice to people or 
show them that I understand what their issue is. Yeah, try to be empathetic with them first. Yeah. And then present your side instead of like just disagreeing with them on a conflict. Yeah, it works very well. I mean, in the film industry, it's all about favors too. It, I was, I saw that with the yeah. uh, the guy we we went to that uh, event yesterday. Yeah. That guy like he he said the whole thing cost him two hundred dollars. Yeah, and it was a a very nice event. Yeah, I was I thought that show was gonna be like five grand or something like that, and it was two hundred bucks. And the guy just called in Lots favors. favors yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, manipulation tactics. Hell yeah! Trying to figure out what like people want. And what motivates them? That's like the I mean, biggest thing. A lot of mo- people are motivated by, um, like I, how I get people to like, for me to get them to like me mm-hmm. is I'll ask them questions. Everybody wants to be noticed. We live in they the age of talk about themselves. Yeah, there's some general shit. Yeah, everybody, <laughs> like everybody wants to, you know, everyone's on Instagram constantly, and they look at all these people like, wow, wow, I want to be like them someday. Yeah. Like even myself, I I follow fucking the dumbest people <laughs> and I'm just like, holy shit, if I was them, what would I do? Yeah. Instead of like actually doing something, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah, it's the best way you just ask them questions like, "Oh, what are you into?" And then when they say it, you don't just go, "Oh, cool." Mm-hmm. You got everything's Be genuinely interested yeah. in what they have to say. And yeah, and if you're the type of person who's like I have no interest. It's like, dude, you're how close-minded can you be? Yeah. Everybody is doing something interesting. Nobody's in anything just because they have to. Well, exactly. I mean, it's hard to explain. Like my fine, I've I've hung out with every group. I've hung out with artists. I've hung out with business people, mm-hmm. science people, um, even boring people, nerds, losers, everything. Yeah. And they all have a crazy, fu- there's something crazy about them. There's always usually one thing that they're passionate about. Yeah. And then if you just talk to them for long enough, you'll figure it out. And the people who they talk about it. And the people who are passionate about the weirdest shit yeah. is my favorite. I'm like, yo, what the fuck? <laughs> like, um, like someone is like into super into garage doors and they're like, dude, this garage door is the fucking best one. Oh and I'm like, God. dude, tell me about it. Cause next time I'm going to, I don't even fucking care about garage doors. Yeah. But if I'm able, like if the, uh, the option comes up, I'm going to be like, I know exactly what to fucking get because this guy who's super obsessed with it. But yeah. I think that was um, one of the things that sound guys are interested. Like, that's why they're interested. Get the fuck out. Garage doors? No, no, not garage doors. <laughs> just, like, things in general. They're just so, like, I don't know. They, they like so many. Like, I met one sound guy who was just, like, obsessed with, like, fish and fish tanks. Oh, my God. And animals in general. But, like, especially fish. Yeah. So, like, I would just be on set with him. And, like, we would both have a chill moment. And he would just, like be on Instagram like, like looking at fish rolling up and finding pictures. He's like, do you want to see my friend's aquarium that he has? I uh, do. That's and then he showed so me and I'm like, wow, I that's get so cool. I get so excited when people have like a community that I would never. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh my God, I love this. And I want you to, every time I talk to you, that's all I want to hear. Yeah. Like if you're not talking about fish, I don't want to fucking talk to you. <laughs> exactly. Okay. I, I think we should end the podcast here. Had a great time with you, Zachary. Wonderful time. Thank you for having me. Dude, it's my pleasure. Do you have any shout outs? Um, yeah. Shout out Pleasant View Productions. Oh, fuck yeah. Me and my brother's production company. We're, we're making short films, content, all that good stuff. Yeah, the good shit. And shout out The Lit Podcast. Hell yeah. Shout out to me. And uh, shout out to Sid, who called me and told me to shout her out. And also shout out to Jared and Julian. 
Um, they are uh, the, the Nick's friends. Nick's friends. My friends as well. Your friends as well. And I had a great time talking to uh, talking to them. They were mad fucking cool. Those two yeah. kids. The greatest conversations I've had. It's so fast too. <laughs> I was like, holy shit, we're already doing it. Yeah. We're having these deep conversations. Now they're your friends too. Yeah, I love it. I love them. I'm definitely going to interview them. And Russell. Russell, it was so nice to meet you. And Chris, I saw you again. Always a pleasure. He's got a very happy face and it makes me happy. <laughs> all right. Peace out to everyone. I love you all. Bye-bye.